2: I'm not sure how long we get the doubleheaders on Monday night. I haven't looked ahead. Don't really care that much. But we do have a battle of undefeateds coming up with the Eagles and the Buccaneers. That game taking place in Tampa. It's the first half of the doubleheader, if you will. Though it only starts an hour earlier than the Rams and the Bengals. Still no word on Joe Burrow, whether he will or will not start with the calf injury. But... We get two for the price of one on Monday night. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. A lot, a lot more still to get to. So racking up for another hour here. And in these next couple minutes, we'll talk about the NFC West. And of course, that means if we're talking about the West, then we're talking about the East with the Dallas Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals, as well as the Seattle Seahawks and their big second half. Uh, To pull away for a victory against Carolina. Uh, And then we're going to start to talk about some of the other surprises, too, in the NFL. Uh, Not that it was a surprise for the Chiefs to put up a ton of points on the Bears, but their most famous spectator of all time. The Buffalo Bills, they're certainly locked in with a game coming up against the Dolphins next week. Wowzers, any chance that's the after-hours game of the week? I'm thinking it just might be. (laughs) Also, the Green Bay Packers... They see Jordan Love start a game at Lambeau for the first time. It features his first ever touchdown at Lambeau Field. Did you know that? He had, I think the number was nine touchdowns. All of them on the road before today. So he makes his first ever start at Lambeau only to see his team fall behind by 17 points. They were scoreless at Lambeau until the fourth quarter against the Saints. And boy, did things change Drastically, Not just for the New Orleans Saints and their new quarterback, but for Jordan Love's Packers. Because, in case you're wondering, the roars at Lambeau are now for Jordan Love's offense. We definitely need to talk about Chargers and Vikings because one of those teams had to come away with its first win. And then the game that booted me from Survivor Island I'm done. I'm out. Why did I have to overthink it? Why did I have to get cute? Producer Jay asked me if I was getting cute <laughs> with my pick. I didn't think I was. But, boy, I was horribly wrong. Although I suppose I do have some company in that category, that horribly wrong category. <laughs> on Twitter, ALaw Radio, Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Uh, If you were one of the hundreds of people who sent me kind words about running a half marathon in Tropical Storm Ophelia, well, I appreciate that. Uh, It's a story. I'll just tell you that. I wasn't late this time. I was early for my half marathon, but it only meant I had more time to get wet. So I'll tell you the story. I swear, probably not on this edition of the show, but definitely on our Manic Monday Night show. So if you want the... Half marathon in a tropical rainstorm. That tale is coming up tomorrow night. And also, if you are one of those people who sent us questions about my future nuptials, we have... Well, we have two parts to this video. I'm, I'm really impressed with the effort that we put into it. This is our most extensive YouTube project ever. And producer Jay, he spent a lot of time making sure that the edits are right and that it was exactly what you were looking for. So Ask Amy Walks Down the Aisle, part one, is up on our YouTube channel. I'll let you go ahead and watch it. Uh, but at some point, I'll have to tell you what Bob's mom said to me in a text after she watched it. <laughs> anyway I am marrying into one really cool family I will say that so on Twitter after hours CBS or my Twitter a law radio there's photos up the before and after if you will the before I was a drowned rat and after I was a drowned rat though I was holding a medal Uh, and then also on our Facebook page we have a photo up there as well And lots of ways that you can weigh in on this edition of After Hours when we're talking football week three. So let's get dirty again, shall we? Cowboys on the road in the desert at the Arizona Cardinals who were seeking their first win. And I am sure I'm not the only one who noticed that Cowboys defense, now minus Trayvon Diggs, but not all of this can be put at the feet of Trayvon Diggs. In fact, I wouldn't say even half of it could be put at the feet of Trayvon Diggs, though it is a supreme loss. It really is. Even when he's not going for an interception or defending a pass, what he does, he almost cuts the field in half for opposing quarterbacks and opposing offenses who want to stay away from him while he blankets the top receiver while he sticks with his assignment like glue, a lot of times teams won't throw toward him. They won't throw in that direction, believing that the chances are not as good that they can make a play. And so to not have Trayvon Diggs affects every layer of the Cowboys defense. However, credit where credit is due. The Cardinals scored on their first first, Five drives of this game against Dallas.
3: First and goal at the five yard line. Hollywood goes out to the left. You got three tight ends on the right side of the line. Dobbs under center. Takes the snap, turns, gives to Connor, running right, inside the five, and Connor's in for the touchdown. Trips formation to Dobbs right. Snap to Dobbs, gonna hand it off to Moore. Big ball up the middle. 40, 35-30, 20, far side 10, more to the house. Touchdown Cardinals, a 45-yard run. We have been waiting for an explosive play from Rondell Moore. There it is, and the Cardinals lead it 15-3.
2: Dave Pash on Cardinals Radio. Yeah, Rondell Moore broke free right through the middle of the defense. 45-yard scamper, and Arizona opened up with points on its first five drives. James Conner nearly 100 yards rushing when the dust settled. So the cards were up 21-10 at the half, and here's what happened over and over in the second half. Dallas would string together long possessions, five minutes, six minutes, four and a half minutes, but could not get the ball into the end zone. Four times the Cowboys moved the ball inside the Arizona 10. In the second half, four times. Not just in the red zone, but deep in the red zone. The results were these. A field goal, turnover on downs, another field goal, and an interception by Kaiser White that ended the threat. So it was a one two punch for the Cardinals. They got the offense early, like they did last week. If you remember, they jumped out to a big lead last week, only then to fail to hold it and to see the the I guess the roof come crashing down on them when they were playing the Giants. Remember, the Giants were trailing twenty eight nothing in that game and were able to rally, was it twenty eight nothing? Twenty eight seven. They were able to come all the way back. So here is their second NFC East team in a row. And this time, they don't make the mistakes in the second half. This time, the defense is game and the offense doesn't collapse. And so you could say this is a tale of the Cardinals' efficiency and learning from their mistakes a week ago, but you also have to look at the missed opportunities for the Dallas Cowboys and for the fact that the Cardinals ran for over 200 yards, 222 yards rushing. Josh Dobbs, I mean, what, he's been with the team for a month? Maybe found a groove.
3: Third and goal on the Dallas 2. Snap to Dobbs, play action pass, backing up. Throws right side into the end zone. And it's caught by Hollywood Brown for a touchdown. Dobbs backpedaling, sprinting backwards. Still had enough mustard on that ball to find Marquis Brown for a huge
1: score.
4: I feel more comfortable each and every day. I know the team does as well, so it's really good. Like we had a lot of big plays, you know, third down conversions in the first half to keep the momentum on our, our side. So come here and quickly get adjusted to a new team. Similar terminology, but get new people um, get on the rhythm and timing. Um, it's been it's been great to make that adjustment and been great to show that growth. They fought and they played hard, and it's what we've been doing for two weeks. I told them right there the, the difference of the game was we didn't beat ourselves and we made some plays. You know, execution was was good there. Um, obviously, a lot of things to clean up, but some guys stepped up, made some big time plays, but we didn't beat ourselves and we made the plays that we needed to make.
2: Raise your hand if you still think the Arizona Cardinals are tanking. It was just a matter of putting it together. You hear Dobbs first, but then Jonathan Gannon, congratulations to him on his first win as an NFL head coach. They're not tanking. The players are not tanking. And while Dobbs' starting tenure with the Cardinals eh, may not last more than another, what, six weeks? Tops? When Kyler Murray's back, he'll be back. But I love the fact that Dobbs is all in with a franchise he's been a part of for a month. And the fact that the Cardinals are working at it. You can see the improvements from week to week. Now, as for the Cowboys, Dak has an interception in the end zone, essentially to end their threat. That's not why it's called the end zone. (laughs) But the big thing is that Dallas... Well, two things that stood out. As I mentioned, Dallas did not take advantage of opportunities. And the Cowboys go one for five in the red zone. One for five. But they also have 13 penalty flags for over 100 yards. How do you expect to win a game when you give up 100 yards in penalties? And then, of course when you cannot take advantage of the actual opportunities you have that aren't doomed by penalties.
4: We're not, uh, not executing, obviously, the way we like to. I get, I get to do a better job, obviously. That uh, starts with me. You know, they were playing us really, really, um, you know, high in coverage. So that's why, you know, we were committing to the run, which, you know, I felt, you know, we a lot of times we had to go length of the field. Um, we backed off in some shot plays and everything. But, yeah, we need to do a better job. As a team, as a unit, myself, got to make some throws. Uh, maybe use my feet more um obviously that's a, that's an area that we haven't been good in these last two weeks and even with the win last week uh that, that was the sore spot in the win and obviously look at this loss move the ball up and down the field and just couldn't score and so that's your reason um for this loss and so uh we've all got to get back to the to the drawing board um starts with me um uh, and making some throws and making some plays as i said with my feet and i um, trying to get it done that's the challenge of this league you know every, every game is is so unique and uh to the specific matchups and so forth. Um, this is this has been a this has been a, a rough week on a lot of fronts. Um, you know, I think the, the amount of adversity. You go through your your preparation process, and and uh, we, we, you know we didn't have enough today.
2: All right, I'll give you preparation. I'll give you uh, the Cardinals can beat any other team on any given day. I'll give you 222 yards rushing is tough to overcome and. Yada, yada, yada. I get it. There's no such thing as a cream puff. There's no such thing as a cupcake in the NFL. Just ask the Jacksonville Jaguars how they feel about that. Uh, and the Cowboys are no aberration. This happens every week in the NFL. A 17 point lead, a 21 point lead, not enough. But 13 penalties for 107 yards, that's on you. That's something you can control. You're not duped into penalties. The refs aren't out to get you. You got to be more disciplined. You got to be more efficient. And certainly what Dak says about using his feet a little more, while I appreciate that, four times you're inside the eight-yard line and you can't get in the end zone with all the money that you spent on your offense, with the offensive line with Tony Pollard who has over 100 yards. So, yes, Cardinals deserve all the credit in the world. They get their first win. But I didn't like how the Cowboys problem solved on this Sunday. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So, the Cardinals get a big victory. Their first one, really, they're all big, right? But a big deal for them to get this win. Meanwhile, in the NFC West, the Seahawks, we're trying to inch closer to the San Francisco 49ers. I remember the Niners played on Thursday. They are still perfect. The Rams will play on Monday night. And you may look at this division and rightfully so believe it's the Niners to lose. I would agree with you there. But the Seahawks, just like they did last season, in the second half of the year actually. Remember in the first half of the year, because Geno Smith was playing so well, And because Pete Carroll was ready to stick it up anyone's nose who had doubted his choice of Geno Smith, he was all about clapping back at people who questioned Geno as a starting quarterback. Well, now Geno's entrenched. They gave him a contract. They made him their franchise QB for now. And they're flying under the radar because they're not necessarily this wacky story that doesn't make sense. Nah, they're content, I think, If they can stay above 500, if they can post a winning record, and that's really week to week. It's not big picture. But if they can continue to win, hang on to the Niners' coattails, they're almost certain to get a wild card. If not, potentially have a chance to upset them at some point and overtake them for the division. So right now the Seahawks are content to fly under the radar. The Niners are the big bads. They're flashy, they're bold, they're brash on both sides of the of the ball. They've got the highest paid player here, the highest paid player there. The Seahawks don't have that. But they do have playmakers, and they do have veterans, and they do have a coach who can get a water bottle and a pair of socks to line up and do something special. I love Pete Carroll as a coach. So we'll get to Seahawks, and then we're going to have to flip it and start talking about... Some of the other divisions like the AFC North. Of course, the Steelers getting the win on Sunday Night Football. What about the Ravens and the Browns before the Bengals play on Monday night? The Chiefs with an audience of one, if you will. Taylor Swift, the Eras tour, took her back to Arrowhead Stadium. Have you seen the video? Now, this is, this is strange. The video taken of Taylor and Travis Kelsey walking out of Arrowhead last night? Or yesterday afternoon. The video was taken by Jarrett Payton. Walter Payton's son. (laughs) Isn't that a weird kind of six degrees of football separation? They were not touching. Though that might have been because there were cameras everywhere. (laughs) Or maybe because they're not actually dating. What? Don't ruin my day, Amy. On Twitter, A Law Radio, our Facebook page, too. YouTube channel, all you got to do is Google it. We haven't put uh, the video link up yet on either of our other social media sites, but the video is very much there, is very much alive, and is very much attracting your early attention. P.S. If you really love producer Jay, which I know that you do, you will like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel because that's what makes the man happy. He's simple. Not simple like Forrest Gump, but, you know, simple in what makes him happy. (laughs) It's After
0: Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shop
1: Radio. You
3: are listening to the After Hours podcast. Evan Brown, the center. The handoff again to Walker. This time he stutter steps at the line. He ducks under. He's in. Touchdown! Seahawks. Sometimes that little stutter step works for you. And he did, stutter stepped and then
4: dove in. Andy Dalton is in the shotgun. Miles Sanders in the backfield. Thielen slot left. Chark wide left. Two tight ends. The snap. Give to Sanders. Plowing behind his left guard. No signal yet.
1: Gotta be. (whistles)
3: Touchdown, Touchdown, Carolina. It's time to pull on the pads and hit somebody. On After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
2: Both the Panthers and Seahawks in their radio networks. There was no Bryce Young starting in this game. Instead, it was Andy Dalton who was out there for the Panthers because Bryce is dealing with an ankle. And in the first half, the only touchdown... Everything else, field goals, all the way through, except the first half had a 47-yard chuck from Dalton to DJ Chark. A chuck to Chark, if you will. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So the Panthers were leading by a point in Seattle at the break. But then the Seahawks are able to feed off the energy of the 12s and score on their first three drives of the second half. And that includes the guy who will bowl you over, you and anybody that you bring with you in your defensive army. Kenneth Walker is a beast. First and goal from the seven. Walker
3: now in the backfield. He's the single setback as Gino goes under center. Medcalf is winged on the left side, but Walker gets the handoff. He goes in untouched. Touchdown Seahawks. Number two for Walker today. So the Seahawks answer Carolina.
2: And they did have a response every time that Carolina would mount a challenge. I mean, it's bad enough when you put bodies on Walker and he just runs over you. How about when you don't even bother to, to put a finger on him? That's also not great defense. (laughs) So good for the offensive line. Uh, not only giving Geno Smith some time, but also creating holes for Kenneth Walker and allowing him to do his thing. So yeah, back-to-back Walker touchdown runs around a Carolina scoring drive. So there was some movement there by the Panthers in the second half. But as I say, the Seahawks, they got the nose in front. Every time Carolina would push, the Hawks would push back. And there was a big sack of Andy Dalton with five minutes left on fourth down that essentially snuffed out the Carolina a challenge. It led to a short field. Gino was able to get one more touchdown pass in there to Jake Bobo. So 37-20 is the final. Oh no, I lie. 37-27. There was a late score by the Panthers, but it was really irrelevant unless you are a better and you were watching that final tally. And so for Pete Carroll, there's the best of times and there's the worst of times. He gets the win. And he's pleased with how his guys are coming along. Something I heard today that I didn't know. The Kansas City Chiefs have the youngest defense in the NFL. That's crazy, right? Even when you add in some of their veterans, they have the youngest average age on defense in the NFL. But the Seahawks can't be that far behind. We talked about the veterans that they have offensively, and they certainly do. And they've got a coaching staff Well, that's led by a guy who's been there for quite a while. But their defense is full of a lot of young guys. Maybe some uh, around Bobby Wagner, of course, who was brought back. Quandre Diggs is in the secondary as well. But there are a lot of guys on that defense that maybe you've not heard of or you're not familiar with because they are relatively young. And yet they're growing up on the job. So Pete Carroll gets his second win. The Seahawks move to two and one. They're just below the Niners in the NFC West. But Pete also needs to point out how there were some ugly moments and some ugly stats as well.
4: The obvious stuff. I mean, you, you can ask all the questions you want to ask, but we were lousy on third down and we were lousy in the red zone scoring. And uh, we—I don't think we might have scored seven times in the game, but we—all the field goals, you know. Jason Myers has has a record day because we can't get our first downs. <laughs> we have to convert on third down down there, and we got to just capsule capture the, the the opportunity of the drive. It's, it can't get any more obvious than that. So that's where we're focusing. That's we have to continue to. It's carrying over a little bit. We've seen this for, for a couple weeks. So it's not good enough. Pete uh, talked to us at halftime and said we just got to go out there and finish it because last time we were here, um, you know, with the Rams and the, you know the the half that we put out um, left a bad taste in our mouth. So we don't want to you know go out there and be uh, repeat offenders.
2: DK Metcalf echoing what Pete Carroll has to say. And yeah, he's right. They were three for six in the red zone. Not terrible, but they left points on the, uh, on the field, not on the board. And then they were three for 13 on third down, which is n- not what you would expect from a team that goes out there and puts up 37, right? Imagine what they could do if they were more efficient on third down. And yet, because of Kenneth Walker and the threat of a run game, and because of their ability to control the ball, because of the offensive line, they get a win.
4: I think the O-line just, you know, really took the game over. You know, I thought in the second half, the way we ran the ball, uh, you know, it helped us finish those drives in the end zone. And so, you know, in the first half, we moved the ball. I think we had a two punch today, you know, and that's always a positive sign for the offense. But as we always talk about, you know, we want to score touchdowns. And so, you know, today we in the first half, didn't do as well. But, you know, that's the good part about, you know, our team and our offense is that we kept battling and, you know, showed a better, you know, uh, showing in the second half.
2: Love to, to think about the career arc for Geno Smith and how unconventional it's been. And yet he's learned so much from his earlier years when maybe he didn't take the opportunity seriously or he took them for granted. And now has found new life with a coach that, He's earned his respect. They can work together. He just does his job relatively quietly. It's not always perfect. I mean, we're not talking about Geno as an elite quarterback, but a guy who does what is asked of him and plays within the system, plays within the confines, if you will, and Pete Carroll can work with that. I mean, he's got weapons too. Kenneth Walker, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and an offensive line that gives him time. Carolina Panthers remain one of the winless teams in the NFL and no Bryce Young today. So that hurts too in terms of his development.
4: We emphasize, you know, the number of penalties was totally inexcusable, pathetic. Um, you know, we, we talked in there. I would just say this as a general statement. First of all, what we said in there was, and I mean every ounce of it, I have a very strong belief in our team and our players. I have a very strong belief in our coaches. And I know we can be a good football team if we don't beat ourselves. And say that we we did, we did things really well. There's some a lot of explosive plays out there, but um, we, we we can't continue to hurt ourselves because that um, we're not giving ourselves a chance.
2: Both Frank Reich and Andy Dalton mentioned the mistakes and the penalty flags. Thirteen of them. So they didn't turn the ball over, which is a step in the in the right direction. And that happens a lot with a rookie quarterback. They giveth, they taketh away. Andy Dalton takes care of the football. They're two for two in the red zone. And yeah, he mentions explosive plays. They had a 47-yard bomb to DJ Chark. But penalties, shoot yourself in the foot. And you could look at the stats in this game and think, wow, how did they lose? Except just a few more opportunities for the Seahawks. But, I mean, this is good news and that the Panthers were 10 of 19 on third down. So I can see the positives and also the veteran leadership of Andy Dalton, though he's keeping the seat warm for Bryce Young. Goodness, where do we go from here? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Why don't we talk about the Saints and Packers, a game with implications for multiple reasons. But the roars you hear now at Lambeau Field – they for Jordan Love's offense. This is a new age for the Green Bay Packers. And what we know about Derek Carr. Also, the Minnesota Vikings seeking their first win of the year. This is one of the possible worst-to-first-slash-first-to-worst storylines in the NFL in 23, right? Every year, teams in the league go worst-to-first. But the opposite can happen, too. The Vikings won the NFC North going away last season. And now they're looking it up. Looking, not looking it up. They're looking up at the division lead, though they've got company in the basement. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about with the North. On Twitter, A Law Radio. On our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Same thing on our YouTube channel. Hope that you enjoyed the weekend. Hope that you were seeing the sun. That was not the experience in the Northeast. The crazy weather that you saw at Met Life Stadium between Jets and Patriots and also uh, some of the other places where games were taking place this weekend uh, that were in the Northeast. I don't know that I saw rain in Cleveland. I don't think it was there, uh, but definitely did see rain in Washington. For the Bills and the Commanders, also in Baltimore, another miserable weather day there for the Ravens and the Colts. And so, yeah, weather was a distinct part of week three in the NFL. Of course, it is football. is played outdoors, and they're tough. But I have to tell you, there's a newfound respect. After running a half marathon in Tropical Storm Ophelia, I have a newfound respect for football players who are out there in the elements, soaked to the core and have to put that behind them and keep moving forward. Now I was running, they're playing football, but (laughs) that's part of what I was thinking about when I was running 13.1 miles in not just a steady downfall, downfall, steady downpour. And there were moments where it was monsoon rain, but for the most part, just steady. The worst element, the gale force winds. I mean, six miles into a wind along the Hudson River, the shoreline, coming in at 25 to 40 miles per hour. I felt like I was running in place. So, yes, for those football players who have to continue trying to move the ball when they're soaked to the bone and cold, too, when you stop moving, oh, man, I...
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
4: After the end of a good fight,
3: you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is
4: your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
3: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
4: Out of a shotgun is car. Throws into the middle, and that is going to be a touchdown. And guess who? Jimmy Graham makes his first touchdown as a Saint the second time through. Goes around the goal post and just slams it into the ground. And that's what Saints fans have been wondering. Where's Jimmy Graham in the red zone? Rashid Shaheed catches it to the 25, far side 30, 35, 40, still on his feet, breaks it to the middle, the midfield. He's got nothing but green, 40, 35, 30. Rashid Shaheed, see you later. Bye! Touchdown, Rashid Shaheed. This is After Hours with Amy
1: Lawrence.
2: The New Orleans Saints were gunning for 3-0, and they started out like a house on fire. Derek Carr and the Saints locked in. Jimmy Graham has a touchdown in this game at Lambeau, where, of course, the fans are completely against you. This is not one of those places where you get a lot of fans for the other team. No, Lambeau is all in on Green Bay, even though it's not the Green Bay Packers that they've been used to for the last near 20 years. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. But those Packers fans, man, eventually, they got a little quieter because Derek Carr throws a touchdown to Jimmy Graham and then Rashid Shahid goes 76 yards with a punt return for a score. Mike Haas with the calls on the Saints Radio Network this is a 17-0 lead into the second half. The Packers don't have any points late in the third quarter still. But it was also in the third quarter that things changed drastically for New Orleans.
4: Third and nine. Jimmy Graham is in on the far side. Out of the shotgun his car. Here comes pressure. Picked up. But Carr steps up. And he will go down. Rashawn Gary, the linebacker. And Carr is down still. He is in some pain too, and this is not what the New Orleans Saints want. He's got to throw this football. Oh, he was slammed down. It was how he was slammed into the ground. Lost seven. Come out for injury. He is in some pain.
2: He definitely was that, though. Derek Carr was able to walk off of the field and into the locker room under his own power. He had that right arm hanging, definitely looked painfully, a little awkwardly at his side. The reports are that he went to the hospital to get checked out after having some initial tests done there at the stadium. And initial diagnosis, again, according to reports, is a sprained AC joint, a sprained AC shoulder joint, which means he could be out for a while. We'll deal with that. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, Saints fans. But they were still in a good spot. And Jameis Winston, as a veteran quarterback, been in the system a couple of times, gets into the game, though, dun-dun-dun-dun, New Orleans doesn't score again. That was it. They had 17 points. That was all she wrote. So early fourth quarter, something's brewing in Green Bay.
3: Here are the Packers, they spread three receivers to the left Musgrave tight end to the right side Out of the shotgun, Taylor to the right side of Love Fourth down, goal to go At the one yard line And the fake to Taylor, Love cutting it it back right Dives into the end zone For the touchdown Able to get by to Mario Davis Off the right side Dive into the end zone Just under seven minutes to go in the game And the Packers get their first touchdown Of the day
2: now, interestingly enough, Jordan Love had said that whenever he scored his first Lambeau touchdown, he would do the Lambeau leap, except it wasn't a passing touchdown. It was a rushing touchdown, a one-yard score, and then he turned around. He gets into the end zone, gets up, looks at the sideline, turns around, and goes right back to the middle of the field, to the huddle, which he would be commandeering, because they wanted to go for two-point conversion, which they get. And so that touchdown with just under seven minutes to go, it's the first one of the game for the Packers, but also the first of Jordan Love's career at Lambeau. So every one of his touchdowns before then had been on the road. And man, the fans were feeling it. They were feeling something. Okay. (laughs) So Green Bay finds life. And gets points on back-to-back possessions. Then they have another opportunity. And Jordan Love is brilliant on the final drive. I hope you're watching this. If you haven't seen it, go back and grab it. Whether it's the highlights on NFL Plus or YouTube. He throws a 30-yard dot. To, or d- dot, <laughs> Not a dot. Although it was on the dot. Oh, there you go. Boom. A 30-yard dart that was on the mark and the dot. To Jaden Reed, that was really the important part. And he gets the Packers in position once again in the red zone.
3: Three receivers left. Dobbs to the right once again. Taylor to the right side of Jordan Love in the shotgun. Takes the snap. Love throws. Right side. Back. shoulder, Creeping grab. Romeo. Touchdown. Green Bay Packers. Sensational throw and catch. Oh, my goodness. It was on the dot. They beat Isaac Yadam, and the Packers have tied it at 17. Extra point pending. Extra point to give the Packers the lead for the first time this afternoon. Wow.
2: What a fourth quarter. All 18 points for the Packers in the fourth quarter, but you know what? They couldn't do anything after that except for wait and watch and... We did see Jameis Winston move the Saints into position for a Blake Groupie field goal attempt.
4: So the knee of Lou Headley will go down on the near hash mark at the 36. So it'll be a 46-yard attempt for Blake Groupie. Arkansas State Notre Dame. Snap, hold, kick is away, and... He missed it.
2: Listen to that crowd. Listen to the fans there at Lambeau Field. They are now cheering for the Jordan Love offense. They're now cheering for this new iteration of the Packers. And it should be pointed out that, again, Green Bay did not have Aaron Jones. So their bell cow, their number one running back, he was not out there. He was not available. But Jordan Looked good. He looked really good. Smart, accurate, calm, poised. Until he found Romeo Dobbs on that last touchdown. And then he lost it. (laughs) So Love and the defense rally the Packers to an 18-17 win after the Saints lose Derek Carr and we'll get to that coming up here after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio we've been hearing it from Romeo Dobbs from Kenny Clark on the d-line from other members of the Green Bay locker room they believe in Jordan
1: it
4: was just next play mentality you know just getting the first down every play um you know because coming out that you know second drive or whatnot in the second half start moving the ball good running two minute again it was just one play at a time if I had to make it short you know what he can do, and uh, you know, uh, and you know, this just this just you know preaches to what we've been saying all along. So, uh, you know, proud of Jordan and how he came out, and how resilient he is, uh, and credit to this team. We went into the locker room at halftime, and <clears throat> we knew it wasn't good, but at the same time, we knew we were we are putting some drives together. But you know, penalties and and different things, third down, not converting some third downs was hurting us. Um, so we knew if we just stuck together, stuck to the plan, um, you know, and just executed and locked in on all the details that. Um, you know, there's a chance for us. And you know, we hurt ourselves more than uh, we helped ourselves. And then um, just to be able to stay poised and, and stay confident in what we're doing um, and just have that next play mentality. But uh, it, it's not easy. It's, it's a total team win right there. Everybody's got to, you know, step up, and make plays. And we did on all phase at the end.
2: I hear from Packers family and friends who are starting to believe in Jordan Love. It's contagious. The team never gave up. And they get one of those fourth quarter comebacks that maybe Aaron Rodgers would engineer. As for the New Orleans Saints, this is a painful loss. It all crumpled and came apart in the second half.
4: Too many uh, explosives, um, penalties down the field, uh, which I thought you know ended up costing us in, in the game. So uh, we've got to get in tomorrow. We've got to make the corrections, and and we've got we got to learn from this. We got to get better from it. Sometimes this game doesn't benefit us the way that we want, but uh, in that room over there, this is a bunch of warriors. This is a bunch of resilient men, uh, and I know we, we will b- bounce back.
2: Jameis Winston, is he now the starter for the New Orleans Saints? Man, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of big injuries early in. We've seen. A, let me rephrase. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks get hurt and miss time, and we've seen a lot of big injuries already this season. We've talked about Nick Chubb and Trayvon Diggs, and certainly about Aaron Rodgers in week number one. There are, oh gosh, there have got to be at least half dozen starting running backs who are out right now. Uh, and now potentially Derek Carr to go along with Anthony, uh, Anthony Richardson, who didn't start today for the Colts. Bryce Young, who didn't start for the Panthers. C.J. Stroud maybe repaid the Houston Texans for drafting him. We'll get to that coming up next hour. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
4: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small
1: businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.